0: Welcome to Her Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's his Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free.
1: In this episode, we're talking about chapter 15 of Northern Lights The Demon Cages.
0: Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are
1: you? I think I'm okay. I think I'm all right. Yeah. yeah. It's a week. What are we in? I don't know. I don't even know what date it is. I have no idea <laughs> at all what yeah. week it is week something of isolation and we've got another banger of a chapter for you full of really happy things and puppy dogs and rainbows and not at all harrowing or horrifying (laughs) yeah
0: although like I I was just saying this before we started recording but I didn't find it as bad as last week's when I was reading it but I think that might be because I was a bit ill when I was reading last last week's chapter and when we Mm. were talking about it I was still coming off the back of not being very well and it just all felt a little too much (laughs) to get through but this one I mean obviously I don't know how we're going to go talking about it but when I was reading it and making notes although it's still quite stressful it wasn't as bad for me. There
1: is some more whimsy to it perhaps in the last chapter. Yeah that's we've true. Got, kind of gotten settled.
0: I was going to also mention this before we started recording but I'm just going to say it on the podcast now so I went down to the purse box because I live in a flat so our purse box isn't near our flat it's down in the lobby area and there was a little letter in there for me and it was from Rach. And so sweet, and I didn't know that she was sending it me, and it had the two drawings that you guys have probably seen on Instagram because we posted them on there that Rich did of the birth of us, and it had a little a stalker,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it had a little uh, vampire magnet that i asked rich to make for me which is a little vampire book from buffy and do you know what i was just gonna do i was gonna go and get it off the microwave and show it to everyone i'm like they can't see us
1: no no <laughs> that's not how this works
0: <laughs> they can't see but i did post pictures on my instagrams so if you want to go and have a look but yes it was it was a lovely surprise so thank you rich Aww,
1: you're welcome <laughs> yeah i was doing my parcel posting for the week and i was just like you know what face it was especially because you'd been um I knew that you'd had a, a crap few days because mm. you said that you'd been ill over the weekend and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to post this. I'm just going to send it now while Aww. I'm sending everything else. And then obviously, because everything is on its head right now, including the post system, you're fully better and feeling fine by the time it arrives with you. I mean, that's fine. I, I can just look at them the next time that I'm not feeling
0: too well and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> cheer, cheer me up post. I don't, the thing is, because obviously we want a bigger flat, but we can't move out now because of this. I really want my own little office space where I can like pin up all these nice things that I have. Like when we went to the vampire ball last year and got all that buffering the vampire slayer stuff and lots of drawings from you and like other little things that some of them are in frames and stuff, but a lot of them just live like under my bed or like propped up in places because I don't really have that space that's kind of mine that I could just like stick them up on the wall. So I'm looking forward to like when we move I, I can make a little collage of all these things. But at the minute in fairness, they are, Propped up on my little shelf that is used to be my Buffy shelf that is now basically my rage makes shelf because it's just got all the stuff I've bought hey. for rage on there and now her drawings. So nice. <laughs> you've taken over the, the Buffy shelf
1: shrine to me in your house. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> I am okay with that. <laughs> I don't. Do we have much to talk about? I, like, Has anything happened? No, nothing ever happens anymore. <laughs> I've done a lot of virtual pub quizzes recently. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like
1: four a week.
0: <laughs> that is a lot. I I only do the ones that we do. So every Friday, uh, Rach and I and our partners and then a group of our friends do a quiz and, on a Friday night. And that's the only one that I've been doing. But I did hearst the last one. And I thought it went quite well. The last round was yeah. a bit too hard. I should have done multiple choice to keep thinking about it. But...
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's over now, and everybody managed all right, and like we won, so yeah, exactly. that's what's important.
0: <laughs> that is true, uh, but yeah, it's fun. I, li- I like a virtual pub quiz. I mean, obviously, I'd rather be a real pub, but that's not yeah. going to be happening for a while, so
1: no, it's it's nice. But yeah, you did a really good job of hosting it as well. I think you did some really good rounds. We've been doing our pub quiz between us, which is always like some nice questions about music and topics that I might actually know about. And then we do my family pub quiz with my parents and my auntie and uncle which is all like questions I don't stand a chance of getting because it's like old politicians, old footballers. Oh no. I don't I don't know yeah. anything about football and then like music that I definitely have haven't really listened to. And then like the occasional like youth question thrown in for me and my cousins. Um yeah. and then Johnny's family does a pub quiz as well which we've Consistently lost, but this weekend we won it. Amazing. I feel like I see people more than I did before we were in lockdown in a lot of ways, which mm. is really lovely. And I, ho- I hope that this is the start of being able to do more like virtual hangouts alongside normal hangouts yeah. when the world starts being a bit more normal again.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: But it can be really exhausting.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, no, 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 absolutely. It definitely can be. And I was just thinking, actually, one thing that we didn't, I'm surprised we didn't mention last week when we recorded is that. We're actually, at the time of recording this episode and at the time of recording last week's episode, are supposed to be in New York. Rich and I are supposed I'd to be in New York. I'm trying not to think about it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's sad. It's sad. But yeah, we'll, uh, there's lots of things, horrendous things going on in the world. So our trip to New York is quite far down the like, pecking order of things to be upset about. But I think that when it's your own thing, you do... Everyone is warranted that feeling of feeling a bit sad about things that they've oh, had to definitely. miss out on. But yeah, we were supposed to be at the Buffer in the Vampire Slide prom of the weekend. Sad times, sad times, but we will get there. It's been rescheduled. We don't know if it'll happen when it's been rescheduled, but It'll happen at some point.
1: I had convinced myself that I was fine with not being in New York and like everything was fine. I was doing really well at keeping busy and then I had a massive wobble this weekend yeah. and just was like sat in bed crying for no reason. But obviously there's a whole plethora of tiny little reasons why I might be feeling a bit rubbish, including yeah. my womb kicking into action, which is, it's always the best time to have a cry. Yeah, I was just sat there and my partner my part who's just sat there just like, are you are you okay what's happened I was like nothing's actually happened I've just broken yeah (laughs) I'm just not doing so well I read like the ideal tweet the other day that was like yeah it feels like you have three days of pushing everything down and pretending everything's fine and then one day where you break and then another three days of pretending it's all all right and you're pepping your step and trying to get through and then you break again yeah I'm kind of starting to hit my stride on that cycle I think
0: (laughs) yeah that's kind of yeah that's a good description actually that's kind of exactly how I'm feeling I do have really good days and then really bad days and like the tiniest thing can like trigger me into into like one of those bad days getting emails about things that have been cancelled and just like little things like that even though we know even though I know that they're going to be cancelled like Mm. you just know because obviously they're coming up in like May or June or whatever but like it's almost when you get the confirmation
1: oh definitely you tell yourself like I'm going to assume the worst i'm going to assume that nothing's going to be happening for the next like year year and a half like i'm just gonna not plan anything and not get my hopes up but then when you get that email saying something's been moved rescheduled cancelled it still feels like a kick
0: yeah and i think as well i can't remember if i've mentioned this i think that i've mentioned that i struggle in the winter in terms like mental health wise but i think one of the tough things that i think probably a lot of people are going through is that if you do struggle through those times like i do you kind of look forward to these times where it's like a warmer I mean obviously I don't do too well in the heat but like if it's not too hot it's lighter at night it's warm outside you've got loads of plans because summer's coming there's always a few staple things that I do in the summer like I always go to slam dunk festival and like I usually go to BST which is like a gig that happens in Hyde Park every year and all those things are being cancelled and then I mean obviously we don't know where this will go but people seem to be thinking oh we might be through the peak of it into like end of august september and then but that's when it starts getting dark again and it's like we've just done that and we're not doing anything for this whole summer and then we're going to be back into that again and it's kind of like that's one of the things that i really struggle with i try not to think about it because i'm just like i don't it's harder as well because i on my down days i'm like this is just fucking waste like what a waste of this like part of our lives but i try not to think about that and i try and think of like the positive things that have come out of it like we're doing the podcast more and spending more time with Liam and like learning how to be in this situation, which I think is good. But yeah, it's it's tough. And I do think about how it's gonna be when it does get to those like dark days again in winter and it kind of feels like we've not done anything for the entire year. It's tough.
1: It is. I'm just putting a big old cross through twenty twenty and kind of if I'm counting getting through it. As like a really big achievement, you know, Mm. you're literally trapped inside your house all day long. So just getting out of bed, getting up, doing something with your day, it all counts as an achievement when it's times like this. And for a lot of people, that's an achievement on a daily basis. Yeah. So I'm kind of considering myself lucky that, you know, I'm, I'm able to kind of carry on working on some of my own stuff from home and um that I'm able to kind of occupy my time everyone's gonna look at this year it's not like someone's gonna be like oh in 2021 then I'll be like oh what did you get up to last year (laughs) oh what you didn't go on holiday what were you playing at like everybody is in the same boat
0: no very true and we are very lucky I think I'm just not gonna count this year towards my age
1: oh yeah oh definitely (laughs) Definitely. Let's stop depressing the listeners and talk about a really heartwarming (laughs) chapter of a lovely book, shall we? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but first, Uh, let's not forget to give Johnny a shout out. Yeah. So, my partner Johnny... The writer of the lovely intro music that you just heard and all of the little twiddly bits between segments, the lovely music at the end, he's using his lockdown time to do more music stuff. And he's just started a little Instagram channel for his music. So if anyone wants to listen to more things, he's doing a lot of playing with the scary tech stuff to make his music sound cool, which is really exciting for him and for us because I'm totally gonna bully him into writing as like a a special subtle knife theme music. Oh. When we get to season two, the possibilities are out there and they're real. <laughs> and he is Johnny Not Music on Instagram. That's where he's posting most of his stuff at the moment, so you can find him there. Which is J O N N Y K N O T T Music. Yeah. Instagram. Go and listen, and
0: you get to hear his singing voice too, which you won't have heard yet. And he has a very beautiful singing voice. So. Aww. He does. He does. I almost forgot. What's your demon this week?
1: Oh, I'm trying to think of an animal that's just got really severe mood swings. And to be honest, to me that's just a cat.
0: Yeah. It's also really <laughs> tough to think of what your demon is this week when we're when we've like we've just been saying we've not really been doing that much and things haven't been changing that much. So, mm. it's quite it's quite hard.
1: Yeah, I think it's probably just my usual demon, my like full-time demon. He's a sassy house cat. He's probably been sleeping in the sunbeams on our bed because our bedroom gets like a really nice bit of afternoon sunlight and then it gets too hot, but he would probably love that. I've been mood swing city and house cats do tend to have that tendency of being like, love me, stroke my belly. I will claw your fucking eyes out if you come near me. Love me, scratch my ears. And that's how I've yeah. been feeling. So yeah. 100%, that's what my am demon. I feel like that's just my
0: general emotional state is like... <laughs> one minute i'm like please touch me and give me attention and the next minute i'm like how fucking dare you come anywhere near me or speak to me or touch me
1: i just feel like it's just me all over (laughs) yeah what would yours have
0: been i found it hard to think of one and i have gone with a sloth even though i hate sloths i think they're vile
1: why do you hate them because they're hideous what did a sloth
0: ever do to you they haven't done anything to me right I don't hate them Uh, being alive.
1: They're over-egged, but... (laughs) They're
0: just creepy. I think it's because I'm a bit scared of them. Not scared of them, but they just creep me out. They've got, like, creepy long arms. And, like, sometimes I'll see a sloth and I'll think it's really funny, like, when there's sloths that wear pyjamas. Or, like, when there's that video of Kristen Bell crying on the bed about sloths. Great. But then when you see it, like, (laughs) creeping across the road and they're really slow and horrendous, I'm like, ew, that's just... No, it creeps me out.
1: Uh... That's what makes them sweet. Uh. Last time I was at London Zoo, the sloth had just had a baby and he looked like a little ball of wool. <laughs> he was oh. just like so hairy and like yarny looking. It was just, oh, it's really cute.
0: They're just yeah. weird. But yeah, I think I'd be a sloth because everything's just been a bit of an effort this week. Like a little bit more than usual. Getting out of bed, doing work, dragging myself outside. It's been an effort.
1: We had a really, really lovely message from one of our new patrons called Katie. It was just really really sweet and made us do a little happy cry. Yeah. Um, Saying how much she's enjoyed listening to the podcast and how much she enjoyed reading their books for the first time through. And it was really nice to have a podcast that helped to fill the gap between the books, especially when not a lot of her friends read it too. And we are so happy to be your friends that read the books. Uh, Welcome no. to Book Club. Yeah.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It was so sweet. Honestly, it's probably one of the nicest messages we've, we've ever had. So thank you,
1: Katie. It's was a lovely happy cry moment yeah. we bloody love an email we, we do we love a patron if you want to become a patron or email us you can email us at her.materialspod at gmail.com and you can find us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod hdmpod yeah. <laughs> I never say the patron thing, so I don't, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's patreon.com forward slash <laughs> hdm pod, and I'm keeping that in because I liked how you were
0: like, hdm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at podcasting. Oh, God. Uh, actually, I am going to do a very quick <laughs> shout out to our friend Claire because I have convinced her to buy the books. And she's going to listen to the podcast, so this will be a little surprise for her when she gets to this point. Hi, Claire. Hi. Although I do think, I said to her when I, um, I think we've mentioned her before, because she's, she's a person that has a dog called Mr. Wilson, and I'm so <laughs> sure we've mentioned Mr. Wilson before.
1: Definitely mentioned Mr. Wilson before. Yeah, He's so. great. He's cute. Hi, Wilson, if you're listening. Yeah. Hello, Mr. Wilson.
0: Last chapter, the Egyptians were attacked by an unseen enemy when stopping to rest.
1: Lyra was kidnapped and taken away by some Samoyed hunters.
0: They dropped her off at Bolvanger where she met more missing children and learned that Mrs. Coulter was coming in two days' time. <laughs> this chapter, Lyra is finally reunited with Roger. Ah!
1: Oh, Yay, Roger! Roger! Justice for Roger. He's here. here. She goes exploring and finds the severed children's demons, and it's horrifying, Mm. and Kaiser swoops in and helps her to set them free.
0: Mrs. Coulter arrives. Oh my Ah,
1: god. (laughs) She's here. It's (laughs) Coulter (laughs) o'clock.
0: The first thing we learn in this chapter, which is very strange, is
1: that Lyra isn't imaginative. It feels like... Philip's gone oh if you read the first part of this book it sounds like I've written a really imaginative child let me set the record straight here folks (laughs) yeah and
0: it's so strange because it's like oh she's not imaginative and then it's like no she isn't and here's why and it like does a little explanation it kind of reminds me when you're trying to dig yourself out of a hole and he's like no but all those other bits and the other chapters that's not because she's imaginative that's just because she's a good liar and a lot of good liars they're not imaginative they can just lie and I'm like okay Philip
1: Okay, I quite like it. I'm here for it flipping kind of our expectations of what a protagonist in a book that's aimed at a younger audience is supposed to be because it's always like so and so they have such an active imagination and I kind of enjoy that he's like oh you think that this little bubbly girl is really imaginative well she's not she's just really bloody practical and good at lying. (laughs) Yeah I don't "Eh." mind it
0: like I don't mind it at all I just didn't remember it like I didn't remember this being a thing. So I was was a bit shocked when I read it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. It kind of changed my um, view of Lyra a little bit.
1: Yeah. I had to Google one of the first words in this bloody chapter. I had completely forgotten what sanguine meant. I was just going to say, was it sanguine? I Googled it as well. Yeah. It means positive (laughs) slash optimistic. So there you go. She's positive and practical, but not imaginative. Yeah.
0: Basically what it says is, Being a practised liar doesn't mean you have to have a powerful imagination. Many good liars have no imagination at all. It's that which gives their lies such wide-eyed conviction.
1: Yeah, it kind of speaks back to what I think I mentioned last chapter with her picking the name Lizzie Brooks because it begins with the same initials as her name and like liars picking things that are close enough to the truth to make them easy to remember and also really plausible. That's true. Because if she was too imaginative when she was lying about being Lizzie Brooks, she might have had like a really stupid reason for why she was out on the snow and all this stuff. People might get suspicious if she was like, Oh, well I was with my family and I walked away and I got lost and then I met a polar bear or like something stupid and she might have I mean get that's tamed. almost
0: what actually happened. That's literally what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of not Harry Potter, sorry. That episode of Friends where Joey can't lie and he's like, And then oh. a raccoon got in <laughs>
1: why is there always a raccoon in it
0: (laughs) because she's not imaginative she doesn't think of the reasons why her plans might fail either which is interesting Mm. then i put a note where i was like that is the complete opposite of me i don't even think i'm that imaginative but my god will i think of every fucking thing that could possibly go wrong with everything i'm doing ever
1: yeah, a pes- a pessimistic imagination. <laughs> yeah, it's not not your best friend.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, like, yeah. If there's something to worry about, I will worry about it, and I will give myself other things to worry about. It's fun.
1: Uh-huh. And you'll like link all of the all of the things together, and it'll be like a little game of jump frog, thinking about all the different things you can worry about until you reach like the biggest, craziest worry you could possibly have. Yeah, Yep. yeah. Yep. Yep. It's
0: fun. It it's fun me. doing
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> she.
0: Really doesn't seem to give a shit about what happened to the Egyptians.
1: (laughs) I would put a big line under this and then write the note, denial, question mark? Yeah. I think she's kind of pushing it down and going, yep, they've got this handled. They're strong fighters. Even if John Farr got hit, maybe we were mistaken. He's strong. He'll be fine. She kind of doesn't have the brain space to worry about them right now. So she's kind of in denial, I think. Yeah, that's a good point i was just like <laughs> lol
0: at her just being like oh
1: they'll be fine <laughs> no no, fucks given <Thanksgiving> by lyra
0: <laughs> and uh she's come she's convinced that they're gonna come and rescue her or yorick will and uh, then they'd fly to svalbard and rescue Azrael in lee's balloon she just won't drop it will she no she won't and I can't say any more about that. I just...
1: I would say she's got a one-track mind, but she's also dealing with a lot of other stuff, so it's not a one-track mind. It's just a recurring track that keeps playing. She will not take this song off the playlist. (laughs) Uh, She's kind of pushed all of this other stuff down. She's got her own stuff to deal with because in the morning, she's going to see Roger. She is eager to see him. Mm -hmm. I mean... I'd be pretty eager to see him because at this point, does she even know if he's still alive? Right. Yeah. She seems pretty uh, sure that he is. Yeah. I mean, again, there's probably a thing of her imagination or lack thereof stopping her from imagining uh, him in Tony Macario's position the moment you saw Tony Makarios, because that's where my mind would have gone. Yeah. It's like, oh God, same things probably happened to Roger. We're all doomed. Um, would be where i'd go but she's just assuming he's probably fine which is good because he is thank fuck
0: Yay. <laughs> yes yeah. thank god she sees him as soon as she goes in for breakfast and he is sat eating and she manages to crouch next to him so that pan can speak to sal is it Celia? Sal-, sal salcilia, salcilia roger's demon it sounds familiar. Like, yeah.
1: pan surprises her so much that she like she's a chaffinch and she like flutters about and he has to become a cat and like pin her down and be like Shh. yes but apparently right. nobody notices because like kids demons have scraps all the time yeah and so it's just like a normal kids demons having a little scrap
0: so that made me think actually fights between kids demons are common so when does it become a situation when the humans fight And not the demons. So, like, even like take being a kid out of it if you are a human. Are you imagining it being like
1: Pokemon? I'm just
0: thinking, like, (laughs) if you're an adult or like a person in Lyra's world and you had a demon, you have a demon that might fight with another another demon, but then you are also a human who might fight with another human.
1: So, like, how does that work? I think if you were having just like an out and out fight, you'd just have a fight. Mm. But these are children that are like pretending to be well-behaved so as not to get told off by the adults and the best way to have like a kicky fight under the table is to get your demons to have a scrap Mm, and like pretending like everything's okay so i think the demons fighting is the equivalent of a kicky fight under the table rather than like a proper punch up in the playground
0: do you think they do the same then if the i mean probably getting out of being a kid here but like teen teens uh, a little bit of footsie under the table. Do you
1: think that would be the same for the demons? Little, little demon smoochies. That would be <laughs> cute.
0: <laughs> Roger sees Lyra and goes pale. And then Pan has to keep him from shouting with joy by shaking celia So a lot, there's a lot of, like, demon shit going on here.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of Pan and Lyra playing it cool and managing to keep it really cool and Roger just struggling to not be ridiculously excited, which I don't blame him. No. He probably thought he was done for and the only person he knows in the whole room, I think is maybe Billy Costa. Yeah. And then Lyra shows up. Oh, Lyra. Yay. Yeah, I'd be like, I'd freak the fuck out, but I think I'd struggle to play it cool as well. And we know that Lyra's the cool one of of the duo. That's true. So Lyra's
0: trying to make sure that no one suspects them. So she, like, rolls her eyes at a new friend, like, Pff, this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she leaves Pan to explain everything to uh, Cecilia. And uh, the girls are all sat together and gossiping and being mean. Ooh, no. Yeah. I like it. I'm
1: happy that Lyra's quick to make a group of friends, but um, but... it's a bit of a girly stereotype to say the four girls collected their trays of cornflakes and toast and sat together, an instant gang, excluding everyone else in order to gossip about them.
0: Yeah, that's what I mean. I don't really... It's a
1: bit of a, a mean girl stereotype that I'm not here for. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think Lyra would do that, but I do think Lyra notoriously doesn't have a lot of friends that are girls. Mm. And so, I wonder if she's just doing what she thinks girls do to try and blend in. Yeah, because she needs to keep a low profile as well, doesn't she? So, yeah.
0: I don't think that she'd do that if she was being Lyra. I think Lyra as Lizzie Brooks, fine. As in, not fine that they're doing that, but it's more in the character of Lizzie It's more, Lizzie more in Brooks. Lizzie's character. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. We find out that at Bolvanger, they run it like a school with timetabled things like gym and art. Mm-hmm. Girls and boys are kept separate except for at break times. <laughs> So Lyra has to kind of keep her cool during the day and is only able to talk to Roger at lunchtime and break time.
0: It says that she has a sewing class and I'm like, do you think that she's showing off her
1: new skills from the seaman that taught her? On the <laughs> Maybe. Boat? I was just thinking, ugh, do you reckon the boys have to go to sewing class?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: They probably don't. They probably
0: don't. In my mind, I'm hoping that they do, but I not truly
1: know that they probably don't. I can't see a crappy patriarchal institution like this sending the boys to sewing class. They're probably going to like woodwork. Mm. They kind of explain that in order to keep the children in order, they have structured the day like a school day. Yeah. And that they have to give them activities and it helps to keep them calm and like normal and stuff. But it seems like a lot of effort to run a school alongside running your medical experimental facility or whatever. Yeah. Well, it's probably to keep them dist- it's to
0: keep them distracted, isn't it? Because like if they just held yeah. them there and it was like a massive group of children, so we learn later, don't we, that they pull t- oh, Bridget, they take Bridget away, and then they all go into like an exercise class and then they all forget about it, and that's exactly the point, yeah. isn't it, really?
1: When she's uh, when Lyra's in the canteen again and manages to get a chance to talk to Roger. She sends Pan to talk to Salsilia as flies on the wall, which I like that Mm -hmm. as like a turn of phrase, like a fly on the wall. I just really enjoy this description because in order for the demons to have a chat on the wall, they have to not be engaged in the conversation because it's like multitasking and it's really hard to Mm -hmm. keep your focus. So they're letting the demons hold a majority of their focus. While Lyra rebelliously sips her milk. Mm I would really love to see somebody rebelliously sipping milk.
0: How do you rebelliously sip anything, and especially milk, because it is fucking vile?
1: Right. So A, ew, milk. And B, like, it's the least rebellious drink on the planet. I, <laughs> Unless you're rebelling against me or Faye, because we hate it. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> As I a drink. Yeah.
0: I imagine everyone of those like, I can't remember it in my school, but... I see it as being an American thing, but it might be something that we did have here as well. Like those tiny little milk cartons that you'd get mm. given in school with the little straws. I think if I like sipping one of those, like, mm.
1: it's like, how People do you People used it? to get them, if they were on school dinners, they got them, but I never did because I was on pet lunches and Ooh. I didn't want any of that stupid milk, so yeah, no, whatever.
0: No thanks on the milk, I'll pass, always. Yeah.
1: Like you said, it is interesting
0: that if your demons are having a conversation, you can like hear it, but also can't, like you have to make a decision To like either tune into it or tune out of
1: it. Holding your focus is hard. I imagine it is like multitasking, like splitting your focus. The next thing that happens is that while they're trying to concentrate on the demon's conversation, she hears the name Tony Mm Macarius and it kind of pulls her attention away and Pan and Roger's even have to like slow down because basically the main focus of the conversation is now like, okay, we're way more interested in finding out what the kids think happened to Tony. Yeah, And the next few things that... Come are all the kids' different theories of what happened. Mm-hmm. So one of the theories of why he was taken is that he looked older than he was and that because he was quite like, just quite like a slow-moving kid, like quite a chilled-out kid. They say that his demon never changed very often because Tony never thought much about anything. But I think that's a bit harsh. I think he's mm. just a chill guy whose demon doesn't change a lot because yeah. she, she's chill too. I just, I don't want it to be like, his demon didn't change very much because he was... Because he was stupid. That's not. That's not fair. <laughs> no,
0: it's not. But again, it's something that like kids might think. Right? They don't really. Yeah. You wouldn't expect children to be able to like delve further down into why it might be. But
1: I wonder if that's a sign that you're getting older. Is that your demon changes less frequently? Maybe. And yeah. that that's a sign of them starting to settle. Yeah, potentially. Um, because that might be why they took her away if it looked like she was settling, when even if she wasn't, it, yeah. she just didn't change very much. One of the kids suggests that they kill your demon to see if you die. And someone else is like, well, why would they take this many of us if that's yeah. the case? Because they'd just do it once and they'd know. And also they'd know from like the amount of people in the world that have died from yeah. their demons getting killed.
0: A girl says that she knows what they do so she knows what happens when they take the children and she says that it's because she was with him when they came for him
1: and she blushes and waits for people to tease her about it but they don't because also all these kids are absolutely riveted and they're like listening and they're absolutely riveted but they're pretending not to care yeah so everything they're saying they want to be telling in like a spooky stories around the campfire voice they're having to say it in like a really indifferent manner and i'm really enjoying picturing that scene yeah of all these kids like desperate to know what everyone's talking about but like playing it cool because like, have you ever seen a kid try to play it cool like they can't do it it's hilarious (laughs) that's true
0: she says that apparently a doctor or somebody came in to take Tony and they asked that person what was going to happen to him And the person said, uh, we just put you to sleep and then we do a little operation and then you wake up safe and sound. And then somebody chimes in and they're like, the holes, they make a hole in your head like the tartars,
1: I bet. I'm like, everyone's obsessed with the bloody tartars and the holes in the head. We're hearing Mm. so much about it. It seems to be one of the biggest rumors of things that is what happens to you one of the biggest misconceptions but one of the ones the kids love the most because it sounds most gruesome i think
0: yeah exactly tony kind of fights back with this nurse and says that she's lying basically and they he wants to know what they were going to do with rata and the nurse says well she's going to sleep too just like when you do and tony says you're gonna kill her aren't you i know you are we all know that's what happens and the nurse says no of course not it's just a little operation just a little cut it won't even hurt but we put you to sleep to make sure.
1: Yeah. So this whole rhetoric around it's just a little cut and it kind of continues throughout the chapter is um the kids are like oh my god what sort of cut and the girl says she just said it's something to make you more grown up. She says everyone had to have it and that's why grown up demons don't change like ours do. So they have a cut to make them one shape forever and that's how you get grown up. And for me, reading this whole little bit about the way this nurse has explained it to Tony, it really is really reminiscent of a lot of the rhetoric that surrounds FGM. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pop a little trigger warning in because I felt like I wanted to kind of go into that and why I think it's represented. If this is something that might be a trigger for you, maybe skip like a minute or so, minute or two ahead. Cause I'm gonna kind of go into it cause it's something that I do think needs talking about. Many times it is described to people as just a little cut. It's often referred to as a rite of passage to make you more grown up. And a lot of times it's something that is done as like a cultural thing. And it's often parents will have it done to you because it was done to your mother mm. and because it was done to her mother. And it's something that is passed down. It refers to a procedure that has zero medical benefits It is painful, it is dangerous. It is quite an upsetting topic, but it's one that definitely needs talking about Mm -hmm. because at present in the UK, 130,000 women and girls are living with the consequences of this. And in the world as a whole, 200 million women and girls are living with the consequences of it. So it's it's a really serious topic and I'm kind of, I don't want to bring everybody down with this, but in the way that it's referred to in the books, as it's something to help you grow up, it's something, it's just a little cut, it's all of the rhetoric around it and the talk around it, it feels very reminiscent Mm. of the talk that surrounds this. It is all to do with growing up, a lot of it is to do with controlling a woman's sexuality, and it's to do with having control over women.
0: So I see what you're saying, and I didn't make that connection when I read it but now that you've said it it makes complete sense to me and I wonder if it was on purpose
1: yeah I don't know if it is on purpose or not because I don't know how prevalent knowledge of it was when Philip was writing this book I can imagine him looking up different rites of passage in different cultures and societies for people of this age group and it is something that is done to young women and girls around this age and as young as like actually as young as six or seven years old as well, which mm. is horrifying. Anyway, as part of that research, the little research dip I did into this, I did also find some really good charities that are trying to enforce legislation across the 28 countries that still, I think it's 28 or 32, that still have it not made illegal. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of charities that are pushing for making it illegal in as many countries in, in all countries because it is against human rights. And there's some really great charities that are helping to find resources, educate people about FGM and to help survivors and support survivors. So some of those charities are forward.org, a Freedom Charity, 28 Too Many, and Save the Children and Refuge also have quite a large focus on it. And there's so many more charities worldwide, but those are mostly ones that are based in the UK. And we'll link to them in the description. We will, yes.
0: I I would actually be really interested to know whether Philip Pullman did think about this because, in a way, if he did, it's actually a pretty brave thing for him to do and also one that he should be applauded on because he is taking something that happens to young girls and applying it to both sexes. So in the books, obviously, we've seen that the boys as well can have their demon cut away. If he did do it knowingly or if it's just a coincidence... I think it's good to apply something that only applies to women to men as well because, as we all know, we live in a patriarchal society where, unfortunately, for a lot of things, unless you apply it to men as well, people don't relate. I think if you did it on purpose, great. Even if he didn't, to be honest, and the fact that we're reading it in that way and that I'm sure many other people have read it in that way and seen the connection between the two things, that's a good thing. Because like you said, it needs, it needs talking about more, need to raise more awareness of what's going on around it.
1: I found the numbers really shocking. Like I've known about it and I've um like supported charities that helped fight against it in the past, but I haven't, haven't ever done a lot of research on it, partly because it is such an upsetting and hard to talk about and hard to read topic. Yeah. And so just reading the sheer numbers of people that are affected by this is one of the most shocking things is that you've. Like, we've all probably met somebody that it might have happened to as well. Yeah, very true. From one serious moment to another, the kids are kind of coming to the end of talking about what they're talking about. They actually get interrupted and Sister Clara and a man in a white coat who Lyra hadn't seen before come and they ask Bridget McGinn to come with them and take her away poor Bridget Ew. and this is it's, it's really it's really scary for poor Bridget like she's just heard all the kids talking about all these horrible things that happen to the kids that get taken away she's the one that's telling the story right was it her that was telling the story I'm pretty sure because yeah, it could be.
0: I think so yeah. let me just check because they describe her as a blonde girl but I didn't know if
1: her name was Bridget
0: yeah it says Bridget McGinn and then it says the blonde girl stood up trembling and before that so that's what my note was that obviously that's not a coincidence because they've Mm. seen and heard her talking about what happened to tony and then suddenly Mm. they're calling her through i don't think that's a dink. i didn't put two and
1: two together that she was blonde (laughs) (laughs) so i'm glad you pointed that out for me that changes the reading a little bit (laughs) yeah poor bridget yeah poor
0: bridget Obviously she's terrified. And then we just kinda of cut to the kids exercising, which is pretty brutal. That's it. For this chapter anyway, I don't know if we'll hear about Bridget again. But that's it, she's gone. Which I yeah. suppose like kinda of highlights how brutal it is. Kids just getting taken and then next minute the kids are exercising and the kids have kind of forgotten about it. And that's not obviously not the kids' fault, that's just the way that this place has been set up. If you put yeah. a bunch of kids in a hall and give them like footballs or whatever to play with, they're they're gonna forget about Yeah, What just happened?
1: I love that at first, when they get taken into the room to play these games, Lyra's never played a game in her life. I know. Like, she's never... She's Clearly, most of her playing has been, like, with Roger running around on rooftops or, like, hatching plans to steal boat bungs. Um, (laughs) So she doesn't really know how to play, like, a team sport. I think that's really sweet. Yeah. Like, it just shows how different of a childhood she had. Has had yeah. to everyone else. Yeah, exactly.
0: But she picks picks it up really quickly because she's a a natural leader. And I was like, hell yeah, she is. She's a natural leader. We know this. Such a natural leader, Lyra. Yeah. And then yeah, like we just said that adults have obviously done this on purpose to make them forget about what has just happened. We skip to at lunch and they see Billy Costa. Yeah, yeah. Billy. Billy's okay. Billy's <sighs> okay. Thankfully. And then Lyra tells him that the Egyptians are coming to take him home, and. He nearly cries aloud with joy. Bless him. Oh, he's so happy. And uh, Lyra tells him that he has to call it Lizzie and that he has to tell her everything that he knows. And then they all sit together with Roger as well. So then Billy tells her everything that he knows. So Billy had heard from a nurse that children who had had the operation were often taken to hostels further south, which might explain why Tony Macarius came to be wandering in the wild. But Roger had something even more interesting to tell her. And then Roger tells her that he's found a hiding place, like, in the ceiling. Yeah.
1: Like, those little ceiling
0: tiles that, like, push up.
1: Yeah, I love that even without Lyra, Roger has, like, that spark of adventure in him. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, him and another kid found the tiles and they, like, lifted them up and crawled up into the space and, like, crawled a little way but then came back. But, like, he's still being, like doing a bit of mischief even when lyra's not there i think she's the obvious ringleader when they're together but he can still do mischief without her and yeah he probably did get that from
0: her in fairness i think he just kind of keeps it on going while she's not there so lyra's like really pleased with that discovery because like she thinks that she can use that it's just nice intel to have that you could like fucking crawl up into the roof
1: yeah she sees it less as a hiding place and more as a highway yeah. which i quite like i don't know how you could describe her as not imaginative because roger sees oh there's a space you can hide in it and lyra sees a space and goes oh, i wonder how many rooms we could get to from here and yeah. i see that as imagination but maybe it's not maybe it's just an extension of practicality but you know what though well uh, the other thing that i see as imagination
0: is her imagining going to rescue Azriel and like be like Flying the balloon to rescue Azriel. That's
1: imagination, right? Maybe it's because she's so determined to do it that it's not imagining because it's going to be true. It's kind a of plan. thing Like, in her head, it's so solid because yeah. she's so stubborn. I don't know.
0: I suppose it depends what you would uh, define imagination as being because everyone has imagination because everyone can think and everyone can think about what's coming next. And to me... Anything like that really is imagination, but maybe Philip Pullman is getting at the fact that she's not maybe like creatively imaginative. She's not imagining
1: rescuing Asriel on a unicorn. Yeah, it's still very practical. Yeah,
0: if you can call a balloon practical.
1: I mean, Lee would call it practical. <laughs> that's very so true. We, w- we will too. <laughs> yeah, that's very true.
0: The doctor comes in and says that there's going to be a fire alarm test. How bloody convenient. Mm. <laughs> convenient fire alarm is convenient (laughs) yes lyra is clearly thinking the same because she has an idea then lyra and some of the girls are then taken out and tested for dust there's a great lyra moment here where she kind of realizes that they're not going to do the operation on her now but she does say it obviously made them frightened that they were like taken into these labs like one by one because obviously why wouldn't it and she says, how cruel it would be, Lyra thought, if she perished without striking a blow at them. I love that she is potentially thinking about that she's going to die. And instead of being like, oh shit, I'm going to die. She's like, oh, I'd be really shit if I die and I didn't get to hit any of them.
1: If I didn't get to smite them, yeah. I would be really mad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they want to take...
1: There's measurements and shit the doctor and the nurse that take them basically she seems to be going around lots of different doctors and nurses getting all these different measurements i'm imagining it like each one has a station that measures a different thing and the kids are just getting ferried between them mm. all of the doctors and nurses seem to look the same it was hard to tell the difference between them because even though they looked different or had different demons they all had the same like air about them they had a strange bland calm manner making them all look like sisters but it is interesting because that like that's not the
0: first time that we've heard that they're all a bit bland
1: keep that locked away definitely <laughs> uh, lyra now plays fast and loose with the d word yeah she does <laughs> she uh, is getting measured and asked to stand on all sorts of influence and stuff and people are measuring her and she's just throwing caution to the wind and uh asking about dust it makes me with really a capital ner- D. Yeah,
0: with a capital D. It makes me really nervous because she's literally just seen what's happened to Bridget. And she's just, just going for yeah. it. And I'm just like,
1: Lyra, God, maybe now's not the time. Stop. <laughs> yeah, she, she she just keeps poking the bear because it yeah. goes on and on. All we learn is that her asking about it irritates the guy yeah like she's not really yeah. finding out any more information than she than we already know i will say one of the tests that they do on her do you know where they
0: make her put a hand in the thing and grab it and it's like an mm. electrical current it reminds me of that horrendous game that like went around in the noughties uh, where like you grabbed a metal thing and then it gave you an electric shock i fucking hated those games i don't remember oh that. my god those board games they were like so it had like four little like things that you hold And everyone holds them and it'd give like one of you an electric shock and then you probably drop it and shit.
1: Oh, I, yeah, we had one of those except for you put your finger in it. It was like a a big circle with holes in it and you put your finger on a little electric pad and it was like um, the electric shock equivalent of shot roulette. Yeah, like, and fucking people loved it and I
0: hate it because I hate getting electric shocks. It was a massive thing in the noise these games, and I'm like, why the fuck is this a thing? Anyway, that reminded me of that because it said that she grabbed something and there was, like, an electrical current.
1: It makes me think of when you go to, like, the science museum and you put your hand on the ball and it gives you static electricity okay. and your hair starts to stand up. Or you, the glass balls that you get with the electric current inside them that sends little, like, lightning sparks to your hand. In this bit as well, like, Pan's really
0: tense and alert. He's kind of, like, prowling round because he's scared. And she's just risking more and more questions. And she just straight up asks why they cut people's
1: demons away. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Lyra? I... Like, this is the moment in the film when the person hears the sound in the basement and starts walking towards yeah. the basement instead of towards the phone to call 999. Yeah. <laughs> it was so dangerous. <laughs> This is not
0: incognito. No, it's not. Like, she's just going for it now. She's like, she's lost her inhibition. She's just on it. And so the doctor says that it's nonsense, but she can tell that he's agitated. And he says that when they take people out one by one, it's because it's time for them to have another... Uh, go to another place because they're growing up he's trying to find out who told Lyra this and she keeps being really vague good on her that she's not dropping anyone else in the shit
1: yeah she has the really good excuse of having only arrived yesterday so she can she can just say she doesn't know who they are and struggle to describe what they look like because she has probably only met people a handful of times
0: and there's a description here about the doctor and the nurse's demons and it says "Uh, the nurse's was a pretty bird just as neat and incurious as sister Clara's dog and the doctor's was a large heavy moth ew neither moved they were awake for the bird's eyes were bright and the moth's feelers waved languidly but they weren't animated as she would have expected them to be perhaps it weren't really anxious or curious at all Mm. so these demons are boring as fuck (laughs)
1: Yeah. I love how there's so much effort gone into describing people's things that are boring. Yeah. It's almost like we ought to be taking notes about some... I mean, I
0: don't know. Maybe you should yeah. be. Yeah. The doctor comes back and carries on with the examination and then the fire alarm goes off. Lyra is told to follow Sister Betty and she has, again, I see this as being quite imaginative. She has the thought of being like, oh shit, my clothes are in that room because like Sister Betty's like, well... She can't go outside, not in all her furs and shit. And her furs are all the way back in the dormitory, which is another building. And Lyra thinks... But it's not
1: even furs. The kids just have those like coal silk anoraks, don't they? Yeah. And Lyra remembers her furs are in a cupboard in a room closer to the front door. The guy's like, oh yeah, I suppose that's why we have fire alarms is to point out bad points of organisation yeah. like this. Like what if the fire alarm goes off and kids are in the far end of the building to yeah. wear their cold weather clothes are? you get to choose between burning and freezing and that's not a great choice.
0: (laughs) I was just like, this fire alarm, and I know that Lyra Lyra thinks it a little bit later on in terms of the adults in this place in general, but it's just a fucking shambles, isn't it? Like, Mm -hmm. nobody knows what they're doing. It, like, reminds me when we have, like, test fire alarms at work and everyone just sees it as an excuse to, like, get up from their desk for, like, 20 minutes and everyone vaguely knows where they're supposed to go and what they're supposed to do, but there's so many people that you're just like, oh, I'll just follow everyone else.
1: I used to have so many test fire alarms in the workshops that I used to work at and everyone would just like stroll out in their hives into the yard and just light up a cigarette and be like oh bonus smoke break and so we'd just be stood there like surrounded by smoking construction workers like okay and then nobody would like really come and tell you that you could go inside everyone would have just like finished their second cigarette and be like should we go back in <laughs> yeah all right, let's go back in and everyone just stroll back in to and a massive like, okay. fire <laughs> bonus break i guess there'd never been a fire it was usually like someone had burned some mdf on one of the saws yeah. there's too many things that you can do like if you saw wood too slowly on a really fast moving saw the friction starts a little mini fire there's metal workers welding in and all sorts of like anything can make smoke also everybody smokes and probably doesn't care about lying up indoors really. yeah just constant fire alarms going off <laughs>
0: So the nurse agrees to it's for Lyra to go and get her own furs from that cupboard that's down the hall. And they do that and they head outside to where everyone's gathered and Lyra's obviously really happy that she's got her own furs back. Lyra, Roger and Billy manage to find each other and then they go for a look around because everyone's like... The kids are kind of, like, mingling. There's
1: no one really
0: in charge. And then that's when Lyra throws a snowball.
1: Yeah, there's a comment made that if anyone that worked there had ever worked in a school, it would not be organised this way. Yeah. And I fully agree. Like, there's clearly no, like, form tutor system where, like, kids are in specific groups. Or, like, dorm A, dorm B, dorm C, and you line up in your dormitories. Like, nobody has thought this through whatsoever. Yeah, definitely. And I can imagine it just being an absolute shit show. And... Lyra taking advantage of that and lobbing a snowball into the crowd is just so perfect. Yeah. It's so Lyra. Yeah, exactly. And
0: then, like, obviously the kids see one snowball and then it's a massive snowball fight. And Lyra, Roger and Billy slip away into the in the midst of this and they, like, scramble over one of the tunnels and find themselves amongst hummocks, which I have to Google. Is it
1: like a little mound? Yeah. It.
0: What I found was a hump or ridge in an ice field, which I thought sounded pretty valid to what we're talking about here
1: sounds like a hillock to me and a hillock is a little lump in a hill billy asks what they're looking for and lyra says she doesn't know Just just exploring just doing an explore yeah although conveniently they explore to probably one of the most horrifying rooms you could possibly explore to yeah i would not want to accidentally come across that room yeah it basically sounds like a shed And it is not connected to any of the other buildings. It's just, I don't know, there's no tunnels to it. You Mm -hmm. obviously must have to go outdoors to get to it. And there's a big old sign on the door that says, entry strictly forbidden. So obviously Lyra wants to go in. Well, why would you not want to go in? Exactly. Lyra is about to open
0: the door or try to when Roger shouts that he can see a bird. It's Kaiser. Yay,
1: Kaiser. Yeah, I love this lyra's like oh yeah kaiser my mate my mate kaiser how's it going buddy and the boys are just absolutely gobsmacked yeah because they they've never seen a witch's demon before and they're like a demon without his person the same reaction everyone had where they were like slightly horrified and really fascinated and she's just having a chat with him because she's probably loving it oh yeah she's, she's like yes i know this witch's demon he's my friend yeah. like Don't worry about it. I'm so chill about it because I've seen him before. (laughs) You keep being gobsmacked. Yeah. Do you know what I thought, actually,
0: when reading this chapter is that they don't say Kaiser once. It just says goose demon throughout the whole chapter. Oh,
1: really? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Interesting. It made me think, like, we do know his name, right? We've heard it. And we definitely have, because I wouldn't have remembered it for one. But we've definitely heard it. So it's it's interesting that they just keep saying Goose Demon.
1: I wonder if it was be- all written at a point before he named him properly.
0: Maybe. I mean, he's made so many changes over the years to these books that so it probably would have been very easy to go back to this chapter and just put Kaiser in rather than Goose Demon. Yeah. We learn that Kaiser has followed Lyra there and has been waiting for her to come out in the open, which is sweet. But like, also I kind of get the feeling that although Kaiser's there to help, He's also a little bit pissed off. He's like, where the fuck you been, mate? I've been waiting for you to come outside.
1: She's like, I'm, I am a child. <laughs> what do you expect? I'm in this weird place. Fortunately, he does have good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the Egyptians are safe. Even though John Farr was wounded, it wasn't too bad. We find out who the Samoyed hunters were. Mm -hmm. They were Mm -hmm. hunters and they're raiders who often prey on parties of travellers. Alone, they can travel more quickly than they can as a large party, which is why they got such a head start on everybody after the fight. Yeah. And the Egyptians are still a day away. Yeah. So help is coming. Everyone we care about appears to be alive. Mm -hmm. So that's great. But Lyra's still got to sort things out for at least a day. Yeah. There's no
0: mention of Father Coram, which I am assuming no news is good news. Yeah, surely. Maybe he just doesn't want to break a little heart. Oh, oh God. don't.
1: Why? I don't, I, I don't want to think. Don't even I, entertain I, I the thought. Makes it do not
0: entertain the <laughs> thought, please. Okay, so. No news is good news. Yes, yes, exactly. Lyra then tells Roger and Billy to like keep watch, and Kaiser asks why she's trying to get into that building. She tells Kaiser what the gobblers do and what she thinks might happen in that building. So then Kaiser just opens the door with a little it does a little flap of his wings it does some goose magic yeah yeah He's so here for it I know it's interesting though isn't it because like the witches can do magic but their demons can do magic as well
1: yeah Yeah. goose magic I love it I also love that it involves something natural so he swooshes some uh, snow onto Mm. the door and then later on he asks Lyra to blow snow onto the locks of the door. So it's yeah. obviously some kind of nature magic that he's using because it involves the snow and that is nice. And we know... Their business that- is with nature. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Their magic is with snow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so they go inside, Han's scared, but doesn't want Kaiser to see that he's scared.
1: So he hides in oh. Lyra's furs. He doesn't want to be like, embarrass himself in front of Kaiser. Yeah, Aww. He was well within his rights to be a little bit terrified though because again I think he can feel with his like slightly magical demon energy that something was fucked up in this room because um, as soon as her eyes adjusted to the light, Lyra saw why. In a series of glass cases on shelves around the walls were all the demons of the severed children ghost-like forms of cats or birds or rats or other creatures each bewildered and frightened and pale as smoke. Oh, little demons. <sighs> Which makes me wonder, how solid is a demon? Because mm. Lyra and Pan, like, she's able to hug Pan. He's able to, like, hook his claws into her. Yeah. Like, they can interact. And people can't touch each other's demons because of the taboo. But, like, I imagine if you were to touch a demon, you it would have physical form. But they're, if they're pale as smoke, that makes me think of semi-transparent and, like, ghosty.
0: Yeah, I do think that they're solid. I just think maybe they're just pale um, in this instance.
1: Like, are they semi-transparent? Barren, but not like inconsistent in like solid. I don't know. I'm I struggle to picture them. Like, are they just like really pale colors? In my yeah, in my brain they're all like super pale, and they do look a bit
0: ghosty, but they're still solid. Okay, that's
1: what I that's yeah. that's what I kind of imagined. I bloody love that Kaiser's reaction to this is that he is absolutely livid. He's fucking fuming. He is so mad about this um he is shaking with rage and i i'm really here for it as a demon seeing of the demons in this situation i can 100 percent understand that reaction yeah and i'm glad that he's not kept his cool because it is not a situation in which to keep your cool i'd be absolutely livid and i'm glad that he's livid and not scared yeah so lyra tells pan not to look at them kaiser asks
0: where are the demons humans are and like yeah at this point he's like fucking shaking with rage and Lyra tells him about when she met Tony, and she looks at the demons who are all pressing their faces against the glass, and she could hear cries of pain and misery.
1: It literally sounds like a nightmare. Yeah,
0: it does. And she sees an empty like box for a demon with Tony's name on it, and a few other empty ones as well, which obviously we can assume means that there are other kids that have died. Which is sad. Yeah. Uh, she says that she wants to smash the glass to let them all out. Rebek yeah, Kaiser tells her to wait because he's a wishes demon and much older. She had to do as he said. I'm I'm glad that that's your priority, Lara. She knows that. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking, like, do you think that that's just something that's been instilled in her from like Jordan College because yeah, it's like an older demon and that belongs to an older human so she has to do what they say
1: yeah older and wiser Mm. probably also i think she's just got a lot of like awe for him as well like awe and respect to the fact that he's a witch's demon lyra you've literally just seen him unlock a door this is maybe speaks to her lack of imagination she just (laughs) literally saw him unlock a door and she's like oh i'm gonna find something to smash the glass yeah that's true Maybe ask your friend with magic door-unlocking powers to do <laughs> yeah. it rather than making him suggest it. <laughs> very true, very true,
0: yeah. And then, like you said earlier, she he asks her to, like, get some snow and she, like, blows it against all the boxes, crates, what, cages? Whatever you want to call them. Cages, well, the chapter's
1: called the Demon Cages, so cages yes the idea is to make it look like somebody forgot to lock them yeah not that they've been broken into so that's good so she goes outside to
0: get some snow and everything was still and fine because only about a minute had passed and i was like
1: thanks for the time check phil yeah but also that's quite fast yeah that's really fast also because the snow is hard to move in because it's so thick i call bullshit on that minute <laughs> <laughs> just saying <laughs> i think it's been at least four. Oh my um, <laughs> Sorry, that's really pedantic. But yeah, I, f- I think a minute's really fast. Yeah, it is. It says a minute or so, so it's fucking weird. Yeah, it could it could be four. We'll let it slide. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so she then blows snow on each of the cages, and they open, and she lifts the front of the first one, and a sparrow falls out. It flies out and falls to the ground, and oh, Kaiser and Pan try to help her. I put C sticker twelve for a sad quote, So let's see what it is. Oh God. <laughs> the <laughs> so lyra worked quickly and within a few minutes every demon was free some were trying to speak and they clustered around her feet and even tried to pluck at her leggings though the other taboo held them back she could tell why poor things they missed the heavy solid warmth of their human's bodies just as Pantalaimon would have done they longed to press themselves against a heartbeat oh I know. i just want to cuddle them all right this reminds me weirdly of another one of my fucking episodes. like this reminds me of something completely fucking separate. But Excellent. I love these. So, do you know in The Little Mermaid where okay. Ursula turns all everyone into those little weird sea worms and it's really horrible? It's really horrible and very demeaning and I feel like it's like similar vibes
1: here. I haven't watched The Little Mermaid often enough. I think I know which bit you mean but I haven't watched it often enough to have a really solid image of it.
0: kind of happens throughout, so that's the point of Ursula is that like you make a deal with her and then if you don't follow through on the like ridiculous like fucking cost of the deal that she's asked you for, she'll turn you into this weird little sea worm thing. And she does it to loads of mer people and then she ends up doing it to King Triton, Ariel's dad. And it's really horrible and I really don't like it and it's just really demeaning and horrendous. And I feel the same for these demons because they obviously at one point had a human and they were living their little demon lives and they could talk. I mean, they might still be able to talk, but they were like fully alive. And like now they're in this point where they're like having to resort to like almost trying to like claw at Lyra for some kind of
1: love. And I just feel that it's just horrible that this has happened to them. See, for me... This whole bit gives me a really strong full metal alchemist vibe. Now, I don't know if you've seen it. I have not. The full metal alchemist brotherhood, there's a bit in it where there's a guy with a lab and he is trying to make chimera's that can talk and a chimera is like a hybrid of different animals mm-hmm. or like a hybrid of different things and it, there's just a really really harrowing it is simultaneously harrowing, horrifying and gut-wrenchingly emotional. And, like, full of empathy. And that's kind of how all of these things make me feel. Mm. Um, so it's, like, a similar level of emotional state. But so I'm going to make you watch it because it's a really emotional okay. TV show. And it's very, very good. But there's a that bit. You'll know what I'm talking about. Oh uh, if you've seen the show, the bit with the girl and the dog. And it's horrible. But it makes your heart ache. But it also gives you nightmares. That's what this makes me think of. Poor Nina. Anyway. Poor <laughs> oh, all these demons. Yeah. Kaiser tells Lyra to go back and join the other
0: children. And he tells her to be brave. The Egyptians are coming soon. And he's going to go and help the demons find their humans. And he says, but they will never be one again. They're sundered forever. So so that kind of answers, really, because we hadn't really asked the question, but I suppose it's one out loud on the podcast, but I suppose it's one that we must all be thinking when we're reading these last couple of chapters where we learn that they cut away people's demons. If the human was to find the demon again, would they be fine? Would they just be reunited? Mm-hmm. And this kind of confirms that they wouldn't be, even if they were kind of Yeah, if reunited. they'd just managed
1: to get Rata back to Tony, would he have made a full recovery? And probably not.
0: And it's just really, really sad to think that you could be reunited from the thing that they've cut from you horrendously, but it still wouldn't do the same.
1: Especially because we've had so much of the book is reinforcing that bond between human and demon and that they're literally a part of your soul like i imagine it could almost be compared to a lot of situations that could apply really heavily to like a lot of stuff to do with maybe grief and mental health yeah with the idea that like you've lost something and there isn't a way of putting it back yeah even if something were to replace that or attempt to put something back together if it's irreparably broken it's broken and that's it and you can patch things together and you can try to get through but it's not actually the same yeah it's a sad chapter i'm really sorry everybody this is a really sad chapter we've done some really heavy stuff i'm sure the next chapter is going to be a bundle of laughs. laughs oh for god's sake Lyra then asks a question, which is absolutely not the time for. It's that song coming up on the playlist again. It's another cover <laughs> of that same song. The song where Lyra fucking loves Azrael and just wants to rescue him. Kaiser's like, come on, we're going to do this shit. Hurry up.
0: We've got to save these demons. You- you've got to be brave. You're going to get saved. It's all fi- like, well, it's not all fine. It's horrendous. But like, this is a mission that we have now got to do. The both of us we're in it together. And then Lyra's like, before you go, witches, they do fly, don't they? He's like, yes, child, why? Could they pull a balloon? He says, undoubtedly. Will Serafina Peckler become him? And then this is kind of when Kaiser's like, do you know what? We haven't got time to this shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there isn't time to explain the politics of which nations. There are vast powers involved here, and Seraphina Pecklin must guard the interests of her clan. But it may be that what's happening here is part of all that's happening elsewhere.
1: Yeah, but also, you need it inside. Run, yeah. run!
0: Go! <laughs> Go! Get out of here! Kaiser gives her more of the time of day with that question than I would have done in that situation, I think. I'd have been like, Lyra, it's not the time.
1: Yeah, I get it. And I, I get why Phillips put it in. Like, it's just kind of reinforcing that constantly, this whole time, we know that her aim... Whilst it is also to rescue Roger and do all the stuff at and she also wants to do the secret side mission of rescuing her dad. Yeah. It's not the time. It's not the time for that song. We're we're in the middle of, like, a, a sad emotional playlist of things to do with people losing their demons and we need something inspirational. The music needs to kind of surge up and be inspirational and, like, Kaiser's going to help out and we're going to get through this. And then she just, yeah, changes it to some, like disco party track about (laughs) getting on a balloon. Like, it's it's not 99 red balloons, Lyra.
0: It's not the time. We're still on the sad songs right now. Yeah. (laughs) Let me get through my emotional playlist. Yeah. So she runs back to Roger who's figured out that they are demons and she tells him not to tell Billy. Kaiser hides their footprints. Oh, yeah. Oh, the demons trying to fly away and stuff. It's really sad. I don't even know if I want to read it out but it's a bit horrendous. So Kaiser gets some all to turn to birds so that they can yeah. fly away together. And they're all, like, flopping around and shit. And it's really sad.
1: And they're all struggling. But, it, again, so Kaiser was absolutely livid. But he's also showing so much empathy and emotion mm-hmm. and tenderness. Because yeah. every time one of them, like, drops behind a little bit, he'll, like, come and turn them around and head them back together. And, like, he's tenderly, like, helping them out. And he's being such a good gentle leader in this situation yeah and like it's really nice that he's not he's taking like the perfect approach which is like a really gentle a really caring attitude towards it because he could be like snap out of it demons come Mm. on we gotta get out of here lickety split let's go like he could be a dick about it if he wanted and they'd still maybe manage to follow him but he's he's going about it in such a lovely way
0: yeah and it it's good to see that side of him because all we've seen of him so far is that although we like him as a character he's just been very brisk with everyone so far um so it's mm. nice he's been quite stoic yeah nice to see him have that kind of turn and be a bit more like caring and empathetic so they all fly off or, or like try to and like He's, like, helping them fly and some some of them fall and he goes to help them and it's all very sad. It's very sweet. Yeah. And they join Billy, so Lyra and Roger join Billy as the rest of the kids had started, like, lining up against the wall. Um, and they head back and they mingle in with them and Lyra tells Roger and Billy not to tell... Them, sorry, to tell the other kids to get ready to escape the next time the fire alarm goes off. And mm-hmm. that's going to be the signal. So when the, the kids hear that signal they has got a plan. Yeah, and they've got to make sure that they've got their outdoor clothes ready. And then this is where uh, you mentioned the quote about it being a school. Like, if it was a school, it'd be much better organised. Lyra notices, yeah, how slack the adults are and that it could be used to her advantage.
1: I'm wondering if they are slack at being organised because they're so boring and incurious or because they just don't care like especially the men that are running the experiments you get the impression that they just they're here they're here to collect the data and they don't really care about the kids The like actual schooling and looking after of the children is maybe more of an afterthought which is why it's so disorganized and like they're more concerned about the data collection
0: yeah maybe they just don't have those skills because it's difficult to look after children especially like quite a big group of them so they've probably been hired because of their like scientific credentials and then they're like oh by the way you've got to look after like 40 kids or however many there is
1: yeah so far they've been described as having the same vibe as either an oxford scholar or some of the people at mrs Coulter's parties yeah which implies like well educated and not really the kind of person you'd put in a caring role just not really caring about humans caring more about information which i think is very much their vibe and yep. why they're so bad at school stuff. <laughs> Definitely.
0: They all hear a noise, which Lyra thinks is the worst possible noise to hear. And it's a Zeppelin coming into land. Whoa, whoa. is this a day early? Ooh. And then Lyra realises
1: what she uh, recognised that must from in the last chapter yeah we finally found out the mast mystery it wasn't what i thought it was we like (laughs) we were wrong but also a good
0: guess because i couldn't think of anything and obviously it's not really something that i can't remember that being described um like a mooring mast Uh, but so i think we did a pretty good job in our guess i think
1: it just hasn't been described but lyra recognized it and now we know why she recognized it it was just weird to have it pointed out so far before the Zeppelin comes. Yeah,
0: so we, like, we, we you know. were trying so hard to, like, it's a callback, let's find out what it is. And it's like, it actually wasn't. <laughs> the adults usher the children inside and Lyra can see the, like, faces in the windows. of So, like, the faces of the passengers in the windows on the Zeppelin. Oh, my God. Lyra looked and there was no mistake. Pantalaemon clutched at her, became a wildcat, hissed in hatred because looking out with curiosity it was a beautiful, dark-haired head of Mrs. Coulter with a golden demon in her lap.
1: Yes, dark hair, that what? is correct. Your book has an inconsistency. Yours is yours said blonde hair at the beginning and now yours says dark hair, right? Yeah. They've, yeah. They, they forgot to change that bit in your book.
0: I got confused when I was reading it because I was like, I thought it was your book that had said blonde. No, mine says mine. dark hair,
1: definitely. Yeah. <gasps> Oh boy. So not only is there a difference between your book and my book, there's a difference between your book and your own book. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if
0: that'll carry on. Like if we get another description of her hair in my book, I'll keep an
1: eye out. Yeah. I wonder if it like switches between. It's just somebody's when they did the like search and replace. Yeah. They're just changing it out. They've just missed that one. Wow. Ah, we, love inc- we love an inconsistency. we love an inconsistency. But yeah, bum bum bum. Mrs. Coulter's here. That bitch is here. And I... (gasps) The bitch is back. The queen has arrived. I'm here
0: for it (laughs) because I've kind of missed her a little bit. Even though she's an absolute
1: asshole, I'm kind of ready for that energy. Oh, definitely. We are at least two thirds of the way into this book now. Yeah. At least. It was 23 chapters. The next chapter is chapter 16, The Mm. Silver Guillotine. There's only... Oh my God. There is not even that many chapters left. And we've got so far to go. But it is... About the perfect time for like the villain to step into the scene to yeah. like escalate the problem, and I am so ready for it. Oh, me too. I'm I'm I can't wait for this next chapter. I'm ready for Mrs. Coulter and her big C energy. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome.
0: <laughs> yes, I love that. Oh my god. Yes, <laughs> I want that on a fucking t shirt.
1: Big C energy. Yeah. it's like Mrs. Coulter in the background. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, uh, I'm just thinking, yeah. he could have his demon's tail as being the sea like his little monkey tail <laughs>
1: That would be great If yours wants some merch with Mrs. Cole's yeah. it, it has a big sea energy, I, I would attempt to make it happen
0: Let us know. Maybe, maybe, tell us Yeah, tell us, <laughs> at HM Pod on Instagram. I'm also hoping Twitter that Facebook. doesn't mean something that I don't think it means I'm, But even if it does, it could be a nice little double, double entendre
1: <laughs> I mean, it already is supposed to be a double entendre, but what if it's a triple entendre a bad one
0: (laughs) we'll have a look i'm sure it's fine (laughs) so yeah it's like another quite stressful chapter like we said at the beginning but at least we have some relief with lyra being reunited with roger and billy costa
1: i know that we've not talked a lot about tv show stuff in the book episodes Mm. but i'd just like to say is it not so nice to have billy costa here yeah not having been in the tv adaptation if you haven't seen it they have chosen to make Billy Costa's character, the same character as Tony Macario, So we lose him before we even get to Bob Anger. I'm just so glad Billy's here. Me too. I like I'm just, Billy. I'm really happy for him. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so happy for you, Billy. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you're alive, Billy. Well done. <laughs> and I'm really glad that we got the lovely moment with Kaiser and the demons and they did a really, really good job on the TV show of making these moments really horrific and harrowing. But I think that, for me, it's always going to be the way it's described in the book. It's yeah. like the pinnacle of what I want it to be. And like, the descriptions of the demons and them struggling to follow Kaiser Aww. as he flies off into the distance are so heartbreaking, but kind of filled with like a sad little bit of hope. Do you have an award to give out? I do. My award is the Deus Ex Machina Award and it's being given to Kaiser because if he hadn't showed up, Lyra would have been absolutely screwed. Yeah, <laughs> She was just gonna like break into a room and smash open a bunch of cages and like just really Lyra up and thank goodness this, her lovely favourite goose came to help her <laughs> do it all in such a way because he also covers up their footprints so that it can't be seen that they've even been there. Yeah, yeah, he does. He just basically saves the whole situation from being, like, the reason Lyra gets caught. So, Kaiser, you were very necessary in this chapter. (laughs) You did a great job of swooping in and saving the day. Absolutely. Who is your award for this week?
0: Well, mine was also for Kaiser, but I'm going to change it off off the cuff and go for Bridget. Oh, Bridget! Justice for Bridget, because she clearly didn't want to talk to the group. She was very scared about them like jeering at her and stuff. But she also wanted them to know what she knew. And then she got taken for it, and I just
1: she really did. also she's her. already lost her little baby boyfriend because they were definitely hiding oh, in the yeah. cupboard to do like seven minutes in heaven have
0: a little smooch. Yeah. yeah, and I just feel really sorry for her, and I think that she did she did a good by explaining to everyone else what she saw so that they all knew what was going on and yeah. she had a lot of courage doing that and yeah justice for bridget justice for bridget. i also feel like i had a justice for bridget moment in the tv show too i feel like she really liked yeah bridget. you were
1: you bloody love bridget <laughs> to be fair the little girl that played her in the tv show is also just really adorable and she does a really good job of looking absolutely petrified so yes yeah, i well was that
0: girl yes definitely i was had a thing for for Bridget and I just wanted her to be safe.
1: Just look after Bridget. Yeah. Protect protect Bridget at all costs. Protect Roger at all costs. Protect Billy Costa at all costs. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah.
0: Lyra can protect uh, herself at all costs. Yeah, she's but... fine.
1: She's got a bear. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of her dark materials you can find us on twitter instagram and facebook at hdmpod and you can email us at her at gmail.com if you
0: want to support us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod you can also rate and review us on apple podcasts it helps other people find us i'm Faye, and when i'm not talking about lyra and pan i'm probably writing you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at failey, which is F-A-Y-E-L-E-Triple-Y.
1: And if you want to read some of my blog posts, I'm on Medium at fay.ducker. I'm Rachel, and when I'm not here chatting to you lovely folks about demons and dust, I'm making designer toys, art, and illustrations. You can find me over on Instagram at rachmakes, on Twitter at Rach underscore makes, and over on my online shop, rachemakes.co.uk big thanks to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings and teaching me the scary texture
0: We'll see you in a week's time and don't forget, keep telling stories and all will be well
1: Yay! Yay. Bye! Sorry for another sad chapter, bye! bye. Take care! <laughs>